1: Well, hello, everybody. Welcome to another edition of Tangentially
2: Speaking with your host, Dr. Christopher Ryan. Coming to you from Spain again. I know I'm all over the place. I think the last time I uploaded one of these, I was in a hotel room in San Francisco. That was a few days ago. Well, now I'm back in Spain, jet lagged out the wazoo. I don't get it going west but coming east uh, blows my mind. It's about a week before I feel like my, um, my brain and my body are synchronized once again. So pardon me if I uh, sound a little more confused than usual. This week's episode is with Dr. Yamas. He is um, a doctor who is based in Tijuana, Mexico, I drove down there uh, to meet with him when I was in L.A. a couple weeks ago, and uh, he works with what's known as Helminth therapy, which is the therapeutic use of parasitic worms um, in treating various autoimmune disorders. Uh, You'll hear us talk about the theory. It sort of all relates to the. The hygiene hypothesis, which I imagine most of you are familiar with. If you're not familiar with it, it's the idea that we evolved in a world in which there were lots of things, lots of critters, lots of uh, dirty little bichos, as they say in Spanish, various types of parasites and germs and things that are coming after us. And so we evolved this immune response that is looking for those things and in order to you know in the uh the pursuit of cleanliness and healthiness and all that we've eliminated a lot of these things from our environment and that's had the paradoxical effect of leaving our immune systems with um confused and misdirected and with nothing to do so often the immune system turns back against the host and so the theory is that this is the source of a lot of immune autoimmune disorders, that if we distract the immune system by reintroducing some of the pathogens that it evolved to be defending us against, um, the immune system will stop attacking the host and be occupied with these external threats. So uh, various disorders that fall under this rubric would be Crohn's disease, Multiple sclerosis, um, asthma, a lot of allergies, uh, and other intestinal uh, and some neurodegenerative disorders as well. So it's a very interesting field. It's one of those things that is in its infancy, and it's very difficult to get a lot of um, money to do advanced research simply because there's not a lot of money to be made in it. There could be a huge alleviation of suffering, of course, but um, as we've talked about quite a bit on this podcast, the modern world is not really um, designed to alleviate suffering. It's designed to make money. And uh, so it doesn't matter if this is a very promising field for solving some of the most intractable health problems that people suffer from. If pharmaceutical companies can't sell it for a shit ton of money, they're not going to support research. And we don't really have public funding mechanisms that that we need that would pursue these sorts of things. Um, so unfortunately, you know, as in so many other areas, there are some very idealistic open-hearted people who are devoting their lives to trying to figure these things out. But um, you know, the the full force of industry and science uh, is not helping them and is often hindering them. So anyway, that's this episode, Dr. Yamas, very interesting guy. Uh, I apologize for the background noise. I hope it comes across to you as atmospheric rather than annoying. We were sitting in a cafe in a hotel, and uh, it didn't sound that noisy when I was recording, but uh, upon listening to it, uh, it sounded quite a bit noisier. And uh, so I sent it off to Danny Osment, who was very kind, and uh, went through and removed a lot of the sort of high frequency stuff. So hopefully it will not uh, be bad to your ear hole and you'll be able to follow the conversation and enjoy it because uh, Dr. Yamas is a very interesting guy and I was uh, very happy to be able to chat with him for a while. I'm not going to uh, rant about anything because uh, I want to get this up and ready to go. I'm leaving in the morning for a five-day road trip with my buddy Justin, who's flying over from Portland, Oregon. Actually, he's in the air right now as we speak. Um, And he and I are going to take a road trip from Barcelona up through Huesca, which is a mountainous region in the Pyrenees. And then uh, we're going to spend a night there. At least this is the plan, but, you know, road trips, anything can happen. Then we're going to spend a night in Pamplona, which is where they do the famous running of the bulls. There won't be any bulls running while we're there, hopefully, but uh, it's supposed to be a really nice town. I've never been there, so we're going to spend a night there. And then we're going to go to uh, San Sebastian, which is in the uh, Basque Country, beautiful seaside city. And then we're going to arrive at our destination, which are the sort of cluster of uh, prehistoric cave art sites in Cantabria. So by the time you hear this, we'll be on our way to the prehistoric caves, if not already at them. Justin's never been to Europe before, so I thought it would be sufficiently mind-blowing for him to stand next to something that's 15 to 20,000 years old. Uh, It blows my fucking mind, I'll tell you that. Uh, These caves are just fantastic, and it's a beautiful part of Spain. So anyway, want to get this going, get it up, and uh, I will talk to you in a week. Thank you all for your support, for listening, for telling your friends. Hope everything's going great with you. I'm going to play you out with a song that was just uh, sent to me actually this morning um, by a guy named Will Irlum, I-R-L-A-M, or Ireland. I'm not sure how he pronounces his name, but he's in a band called The Happenies. The Happenies? I don't know. It's H-A apostrophe pennies, which I guess is like an old English coin, half a penny. I'm guessing I don't know, but um the song is called I believe Ghosts and you can get their album for a price of your choosing at hoppen uh, h a p e n n i e s dot bandcamp dot com.
3: You only die once, so you best pick the be most of your days. You don't wanna go home, but at least you've a place to stay. You don't know if you're gonna feel you're to live to see the day. If you're gonna feel you're to live to see the day. You best make the most of days. You don't wanna go home, but at least you've a place to stay. You don't know if you're gonna fail. Your boots are left to see the day, or if you're gonna fail, your boots are left to see the day. Shelly's out of shotgun I bet I bet I grew fish here yeah. Take it on the chin, son You know you're gonna get somewhere a Shelly's out of shotgun I bet I bet I grew fish here yeah. I broke it down, you I don't wanna see those tears Another ticket time bomb We don't know when the tick-tock kills Cause you don't stop Cause you the get somewhere get somewhere a shell inside a shotgun a bit of brother cool fresh is
2: all right I'm here in San Diego sunny noisy San Diego with Dr. Yamas from Tijuana. Are you originally from Tijuana? No, 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 I'm originally from Guadalajara, which is central Mexico. Yeah. Close to Puerto Vallarta, in case you're wondering. Yeah, I've been to to Guadalajara. Yeah, a long time ago, I traveled through there. I did a long trip through Mexico, about uh, six months from Ciudad Juarez all the way down to um, Guatemala. Oh, fantastic. Yeah, and that took me through Guadalajara. And I actually, maybe you know this town, there was a town in the mountains, just maybe half an hour outside with farms, many farms and a beautiful view of a volcano. I don't remember the town, there was a river going through and I, I was working on a farm there for a while. Yeah. This is close to Guadalajara? Yeah, yeah, near Guadalajara. There were many pine trees, I remember. But there's, well there's, actually
0: I can think of several places, that's what is it's not really clear in my mind. One of them is called Tapalpa. Another one is called Mazamitla. I think it was Tapalpa. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yes. yeah. It was interesting. Yes, it's a, it's a kind of a foresty with a lot of trees. And
2: yeah. Yes, it's very nice. It's really nice. So you're, you're a medical doctor and you work with uh, helmet therapy. Right. Yeah. And explain what, what is helmet therapy? Okay, um,
0: helminths is is a one of, type of parasite. It's a worm, basically. That uh, it, it's it's just one family of certain type of worms that work as parasite within us. But I have to make some differentiations of certain things. For example, we have the idea that a parasite is a bad thing. Yeah. We think of a par- In fact, parasite. The word parasite is probably the worst insult you can give to an, an, any human being. That's a good point. Yeah, it means somebody that is always taking and nothing, not returning anything. Gives but nothing. Exactly. Gives nothing yeah. in return. Yeah. That's right. And we have to rethink that because that is not true. Uh, the, some parasites are mean, of course, like everything in life. But most of them are, you know, they live in a symbiotic form with ourselves, right. in most cases. Not only with ourselves, but fishes, birds, frogs, you name it. A lot, of, a lot of the living creatures have parasites, a lot of them, including us, until uh, about a hundred years ago, more or less, in which we discovered that uh, we had some parasites within ourselves and uh, the medical body decided to get rid of them. uh, In the beginning, it was just a perception of the things, so there's not... We we cannot blame them or anything. It was just a perception. You know, we knew that a lot of people suffering from uh, parasitosis. Yeah and we assumed that uh, in a very black and white world that uh, all parasites were bad,
2: so we set up to kill them all. And this is about the time of the emergence of germ theory, late 19th century? Right. Right, so this sort of self and other mentality was very clear. Right. I, I remember reading about hospitalism, you know about this where they they believed that the newborn babies should be kept in a sterile environment right. and no one should touch them because that would contaminate them with all these uh, germs and so then the babies were dying so many babies were dying in the United That's States right. and 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 the nurses understood that the problem was that no one was touching the babies, but the doctors, with their theory, were very clear that no, no, they have to stay sterile, they have to sterile, was considered good. That's right. What a mistake. Well, um,
0: yeah, that's right. I mean, it it all springs from that concept with the bacteria, and we were considering bacteria to be bad, you know. Those are the bad guys. And, uh, and so we have to clean and kill and, and sterilize as much as possible. But that is an impossibility because you cannot sterilize a human body. Yeah. Or any human, I mean any living organism because you kill it. You
2: just kill it. Well, and it's all based upon the illusion that the self is a single unit. Right. Right? We contain many organisms in our skin and our blood and our eyes that don't have our DNA. Right, we are a community. Yes. Each one of us is a living system, yes. not an individual. You know, I um,
0: I coined the phrase about 25 years ago that uh, the body is not a machine. The body is a garden. Yeah. And uh, nowadays I switch that from the garden, which is a very beautiful word, to ecosystem because people understand better the word and the meaning of an ecosystem. Yeah, we are uh, a, a collection of all kinds of living things. Yeah, uh, and in fact, only ten percent of us. It's truly us. Right, it's <laughs> <The rest laughs> our DNA. Yes, right? us. Yeah. The rest is bacteria, fungus, and yeah. whatnot. not. Yeah. All kind of different things. Just 10% of uh, crease is crease.
2: If that, yeah, my body's a jungle. It's not It is a, a jungle. It's not it's a garden. True. No, well, you know, uh, that is also true. I
0: had a conversation with one Japanese patient. Who wanted, mm-hmm. And he was a proponent of the, you know, the sand gardens and these kind right. of things, you know, right. everything under control, everything so beautiful on yeah. the one side, and the mind of the human on top of everything, they're controlling the whole thing. And my argument was that the jungle is beautiful by itself. Yeah, it's, it looks chaotic in its, You know, at first sight it looks chaotic, but that only means that we don't understand because in that chaotic system everything's functioning. Right. And there's
2: beauty in that. You know, chaos if you like. Right. Yeah. This this separation of self, human self, from nature. I think goes right to the roots of western civilization and that's right you know we can trace pretty much everything that's that's dissatisfactory about our civilization to this insight of trying of uh, this mistaken insight of trying to see ourselves as being not part of nature we're we're like angels yeah. right uh, according to this fantasy right, right. and the beautiful thing about angels is they never die so i think the whole thing goes down to a fear of mortality you know, and that's why we're so afraid of parasites and, you know, well, even calling them parasites. I don't know if you will agree with me, but we're evolving. We are moving towards something.
0: I don't know, don't ask me what, but we're going in a certain direction. Yeah. And if we go back a little bit in time, uh, our, uh, you know, our main enemies were the tigers, the lions and bears. So we managed to control them. There were operators. And then we managed to control that, that, that part. And then uh, we went after the snakes. And then, uh, I don't know, on and on and on. Then we went after the rats and all those different things. Then we went after the insects, hmm. ants, uh, spiders, you yeah. name it, cockroaches. Right. And we also control that. I mean, this is something that I tell my patients when they're in my office. I mean, we we humans are a very territorial animal. While we're in my office, if you got to see uh, uh, ants, forget about a cockroach, ants walking by my my, uh, office, you will think that I'm the deadiest doctor you've ever seen in your whole life. Exactly, exactly, yeah. We're very territorial. Yeah, very ter- and now we're and going... Sterility and equals a sterility equals health. Exactly, in, in this exactly. Yeah. And, no, and now we're going after the bacteria. First, the parasites, because we killed them all in 100 years, well, in the last century. Yeah. And, uh, and now we are very concentrated on killing all the bacteria. Right. But that is also something that I tell them, have all this collection of bacteria in our system, or our biome, is so huge. And only every once in a while, a mean one comes along to cause havoc. And because of the presence of that particular one, we we'll wash ourselves in antibiotics and, and pure Purell, I hate that thing, you yeah. know, the, the
2: soap yeah. thing. That's terrible, yeah. that's terrible. And it's, it provides the illusion of safety. And I, I can't help, my listeners know I always do this, I can't help associating this with American foreign policy. Because I see the same mentality happening. We have to wipe them out. We have to destroy anything that could be a source of danger and in doing that we make ourselves more vulnerable. Right. Right? Just like with antibiotics by bathing the world in antibiotics what do we do? We create antibiotic resistant pathogens. Right? And, and we end bacteria. up super bacteria exactly.
0: Yeah, absolutely. there's a story um, there's about this clinic in Switzerland. And if you ever been in Switzerland or one of the clinics in Switzerland you will see that you will know that I mean they're clean. Yeah. <laughs> now, they are clean. Nothing compares to those guys. Yeah, yeah. absolutely clean. And uh, and there's something that is called nosocomial infections, that are infections by bacteria that uh, sprout in the hospital. The nosocomial—that's what it means—in hospitals. And um, all of a sudden they have uh, this uh, this infection of one of their patients in a surgery room. He got infected by this particular bacteria and. Uh, And they got, you know, concerned about that, so they they clean, they sterilize the room, and then they have another surgery, and the next patient got infected as well, and it happened like three or four times, and they, you know, sterilize using chemicals and ultraviolet light and whatever, all kind of things, mainly chemicals. And all of a sudden, the the infection spread to the next OR and then to the clinic. Hmm. And it it was like fighting a a a fire, you know, a forest fire. The 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 infection was growing, growing inside, and they were fighting with everything, unable to stop it. Until they finally gave up. They said, "No, I mean, this is this. We cannot control this thing." So they stopped all the activities in the in the clinic. They remove everybody. I mean everybody, not just patients, doctors. Abandon the clinic. Open, abandon the clinic. Open the windows. Open the doors. Uh-huh. Just let the air and nature comes in and repopulate the area with just about anything that nature does. Yeah. They came back after several months and they, they start doing operations and things and everything was fine. Yeah. We break the equilibrium. That's what is going on. Exactly the same right. thing that you were saying about wipe them all. But as soon as you try that, you create your your next enemy. You
2: create a vacuum, right? And <laughs> nature of war is a vacuum. Of wars, yes. a vacuum, exactly. So, in, in Iraq we, we wiped out Saddam Hussein to, to continue the, the association, and what happened? ISIS arises, right. and now it's a bigger problem than ever. It's exactly and the same there, thing. If
0: get rid of ISIS, someone else, someone else more else will viral
2: come. and right. more mortal, more lethal. Yeah, going to exactly. Because they've evolved in the presence of these attacks. Yes. So, it's just like Like we were mentioning Mark Davis earlier on an earlier episode, the C. difficile infestation or or, uh, the problem that people have, I think he said 30,000 people die per year in America from this uh, infection and it only takes place in people who have their their gut microbiota wiped out by antibiotics, mm. so it's like it's like the clinic you're talking about, but in in the body, in the okay, human body. Yeah, yeah. You wipe out the, you create a sterile environment, then this. You allow the somebody,
0: to actually yeah, sprout here. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay. Once again, remember the 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 conception is that the body is a garden, or it's a forest, or it's a, it's a right. jungle. In case of a so natural universe. environment. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Yes. Okay, so the the perfect example is a forest, and everything is covered with trees and all kind of stuff, you know, this gut, let's say the the gut is covered with millions of miles of, of forest. And then you take an antibiotic, and the antibiotic is not going to respect anything, I mean, it's going to kill whatever it's going to kill. It's like spraying insecticide, it kills everything, everything. Herbicide. Herbicide. herbicide, yeah. Yeah, it's not a specific, right. and uh, so it's going to kill a lot of those trees, it's going to kill thousands and thousands of acres of, of, uh, of this forest. And then all of a sudden, all these bold spaces are open space for new colonization, which is in you know, most of the cases, for example, candida, which is a fungus, Right. and it's very common nowadays here in America the the chronic candida infestation. Right. And candida is a fungus, and of course it doesn't respond. It, the, the antibiotics don't kill it. You need an antifungal to kill it, but it's very stubborn. Yeah, it takes.
2: Years and years of taking the antimicrobial to, to, to kill it. And meanwhile, you're doing damage to other systems. Right. Because I, I assume they're, they're uh, helpful symbiotic uh, fungi as well in the box. That's right. Yeah. That's right.
0: Yeah. Uh, Gary, he, uh, he gave us an example about what happened in Yellowstone Park. Mm. <coughs> when the guards decided that the, the presence of the war, wolves was dangerous for the tourists. Oh, uh, yeah. You yeah, know about this, sure. And they, they reintroduced them, and, and they the, had to. And well, the, the problem was that they everything got the, better. The the wolves and the beavers began to reproduce a lot. Right, right. And so, the, and of course, they formed their families, and each one of them formed this, this dam and everything. So they were modifying the whole the whole situation in
2: the Yellowstone Park in such a big and bad way that they have to reintroduce the wolves right. to kill the the beavers. Right. And then, once there were fewer beavers, then the elk were doing better because now there was more grassland or yeah, something, yeah, the whole thing. Yeah, There's the trees because they're
0: not cutting as many trees, right. so they were, you know, the whole thing is connected, the whole thing is connected. Yeah.
2: Okay, the same thing is happening with us, Right. exactly the same thing. So this, uh, this whole thing we're talking about is sort of encapsulated in the hygiene hypothesis, right, which is the idea that we've eliminated Pathogens or germs as you know as much as we could and by doing that we have actually increased autoimmune disorders Are, are things like asthma and yes. allergies are they considered right. autoimmune yeah. as well? Yeah. Okay. yeah. So all these different things including um, Multiple sclerosis and uh, is there even theory that some cancers could be related to this or some are cancers related to autoimmune? <coughs> Because the immune system should be killing mutant cells that's what it does one of the things it does yeah,
0: that's right well there's a lot of open questions here you know cancer is a different type of monster right but there is some there's some links that we that we can see so far from this theory this uh, hypothesis that we're working with um, this is what happens um, I mean there's so much ground to cover um, we really don't know what causes cancer. We have some ideas, but no, no proof of But one of the things that we know as a fact is that the chronic inflammation right. chronic inflammation causes uh, cancer eventually. The constant irritation of, of something foreign into one of the tissues is going to develop the tissue to inflate, to swollen. And the the chronic, the, and the chronic inflammation eventually will trigger mutation, and then after the mutation is cancer. Right. That's all there is. I mean, we know that. Right. The papaniconal test, that's what they tell you. you know the only result that they, you get is normal. Uh, inflammation caused by bacteria or some kind of foreign substance, in this case uh, the Papa Nicola, the DUI, you know the contraceptive thing, they produce chronic inflammation and then the beginning of mutation is the third uh, report and the fourth is cancer. Right. Okay. So yes, we know that chronic inflammation is related to cancer as well. Maybe not the only thing, but then again is there. Okay, so you have a, a, um, this is, this is a theory, this is an idea. You have somebody who is dealing with um, ulcerative colitis or uh, Crohn's, which is it. I'm <coughs> sorry about Or it's Crohn's or um, what is there one? Uh, irritable bowel syndrome, yeah. okay, which is problems in the gut. For whatever reason, all of these are autoimmune diseases. But then again, there's always something else. And they develop a, a chronic inflammation. They develop a chronic inflammation. So if this continues going on and on and on, eventually there is a strong possibility, and any doctor will tell you, that they might develop cancer in the colon. So, uh, in our experience, the helmets they counteract that, that uh, uh, they regulate the immune system and also decrease the, the inflammation. So, in our minds, you know, in the things that we think there might be, a, uh, you know, uh, something to assist and help people that are not quite there, you know, that they haven't developed cancer, as a way of preventing it, but we don't know if we are going to be able to use this kind of treatments for cancer right. when it's already established. Because right. when it's already established, the mutation is so
2: gross and so yeah. incredibly... So let, let's take a moment just to clarify yes. that uh, first of all, this podcast is informational only. I I don't know anyone who's ever done any treatment at your clinic and so this could not be construed as any sort of an advertisement and you haven't paid for this, this is just something I'm very interested in and you're willing to speak about your expertise. Thank you. Um, What is the name of the clinic where you work? Uh, Worm Therapy. Worm Therapy. therapy, And it's based in Tijuana. It is based in Tijuana, yes. And and, uh, you don't do any treatment in the United States, it's uh, only In Mexico, patients need to come to your office and and become your patients. And uh, but you do accept Americans as patients if they come to Tijuana. Absolutely, yes. Right. Okay. So I just want to make that clear. So you're not in any danger of any misunderstanding. And no, thank you very much. No, no. Yes, they have. I mean. This this is an experimental therapy. That's what I was going to say. This This is
0: is is something being explored and and deal in a very particular way. You know, it's it's not. uh, Get me a couple of aspirins. No, it's a different thing. It's. uh, It's not. I have to clarify as well that this is not a magic bullet. Right. (coughs) I'm sorry. It's not good for cold. See, Mm. I have a cold and
2: it's not working. So what are we talking about? We're talking about hookworms primarily? Yes, hookworms. Do you, do you use other types of worms, tapeworms or anything?
0: Yes. Uh, there's different types of, of uh, worms that uh, they have some of the same function as the hookworms. Uh, there's something called TSO, which is the Trichuris Swiss Ova. There's a group in Germany that are doing that. They're, they're using it. But, uh, and they have a point, you know, because this is a parasite of the pig. And it is a, it's, a, it's also a helmet. But anyway, the point is that um, it won't stick to you, you know, it won't take hold in you. And this is one of the reasons they decided to follow this. And you take the, you eat the, the eggs. They're microscopic, very hard to see. But you have to be taken in like a pill. Mm. And of course that follows into the big pharma uh, plan of business. Right. You're consuming all the time, all the time, all the time. Right. And uh, the last time I checked, it was very expensive, but I don't know. That was, that was one of them, TSO, Swiss Suizova. And uh, the, the, the difference and the reason why we are, in, I think we're on the right track, is because the hookworm is a human parasite. Uh-huh. And it will stay with you, you know, once you get it in the inflated, it stays within you for um, five to seven years. Really? That is the life expectancy of these guys. They stay with you. And there's a lot, at the beginning, there was a lot of concerns. A lot of people were very concerned about these guys, but the whole idea, the whole concept of uh, using them lays in the fact that they want to remain invisible. They don't want to cause any, no, right. you no, know, no. They don't. They don't want you to know that they are there. And they certainly don't want to kill the host. There's, there, of course not. Right. Of course not. And uh, you know, most of the parasites, they, that's what they want. They want to be as, as stealth or, or silent, quiet as possible. Mm-hmm. But there's some that can actually cause some damage, or can, uh, you know, eventually do something that we don't want them. Uh, so we choose the hook one because we thought that, that was the most novel of them all, you know, the, the least dangerous, right. the least uh, risky to work with in so many other instances. Um, and, uh, the only the only risk that you can you know you can mention about this is the number basically. The number and the, the, the strength of the patient. Because if you are, like in your case, a well-nourished adult man, that's not a problem. The problem is for kids, like for example, in Africa or in some places in Mexico or Central America or maybe Southeast Asia, some places like that, I don't know, in which they are bad nourished. And uh, because these guys, they suck blood, blood suckers. So if you have a certain amount, let's say uh, 10, they will eat only so much blood. But if you have 100,
2: they're going to eat a lot of blood. Do they reproduce within the patient? No, Uh, no, no, no. no, So the ones you get are the ones you have? Yes. That's that's, that's another thing. That's why
0: we can control this thing because uh, we know just the exact number that we're going to give and that will remain pretty much stable. I mean, there's a possibility that one of them will die in, I don't know, two or three years something like that, but you can tell. Mm. But no, they don't reproduce. That's another safety measurement. You cannot infect anyone in
2: what is called horizontal infestation, Mm -hmm. it's impossible. It's impossible. So do they they lay eggs that come out yes. in your excrement? that's correct. So someone else would have to be ingesting your excrement? Not
0: ingesting them, but God forbid. <laughs> no, 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 not that. No, um, they, okay, horizontally means that I cannot infect you. No. or anybody else carrying this this organism cannot infect you right. horizontally, uh, not even in the most
2: bizarre sexual act. <laughs> <coughs> it's impossible. <laughs> I'd like to read the research into that, yeah. Well, <coughs> you'll find it amusing. <coughs> Sorry about <coughs> my cough.
0: Anyway, Yeah. but it has to be done vertically, yeah. you know, and then you have to, you know, the, the, the carrier has to cook in the soil, right? And then the soil has to be at a certain temperature and with a certain amount of uh, uh, humidity, and it should last for several time over there, several days there. And then you need somebody else
2: barefoot walking in there. Ah, it comes through the skin of it the foot. It comes through the skin. Ah, okay, right. Uh, are you? Do you have hookworms in yes. your body right now? Yes. You do. As a as a preventive matter, or are you treating something specific? No. Uh, no, I'm not. Uh, I don't have any autoimmune problems. So, but so they, you feel that they have a prophylactic uh, value as well.
0: That's not the reason why I did it on myself. The the reason why we did it is because uh, once you're investigating especially these kind of things, medicine, treatments, and things like that. The moral
2: way to do it is that you have to try it on yourself first. Interesting. That's a a very interesting perspective, which I agree with, although I think a lot of doctors wouldn't, particularly psychiatrists. (laughs) (laughs) You know, LSD, when LSD was invented in the late 50s, The primary use was psychiatrists and psychologists took it themselves in order to understand the psychotic state and thereby better treat their patients. Uh, It was known as a psychotomimetic. So for about 10 years that was Sandoz, the company where it was invented, was sending it to physicians who wanted to understand what it was like to be psychotic. So I I always found that to be very admirable that uh, a doctor would test something or try to enter a state of mind of the patient or the condition of the patient in order to treat them better. Yeah. I think that's a very uh, noble aspect of medicine that's been lost recently. Well, yeah, unfortunately, all kind of things I
0: have lost in in medicine, it is... It's no longer an art. I mean, it is an art, but not many people practice it. Yeah, yeah.
2: So, what and what, what, know, what did fun. you get into as a physician? Are you a general practitioner, yes. or do you have a sp- okay? Just yes, me. I'm a general practitioner. Uh, I didn't want to go into the specialty
0: because my concept was different. In fact, when I uh, I was in medicine school, I was already thinking about holistic medicine really yeah i'm talking about over 30 more than 30 years ago but um and i thought i was going to be the first one in the world you know like oh i'm going to win the Nobel prize you know <laughs> hey you still <laughs> might this is such a still might. <laughs> i don't think so no <laughs> i don't think so this is such a revolutionary concept, you know. Yeah, and I was already thinking about
2: holistic medicine. Now, when you, what do you mean when you say holistic medicine? Okay, that's
0: another thing. Holistic medicine is not a treatment; it's a philosophy. Right. And because I've seen uh, some dentists that call themselves holistic or podiatrists that call themselves holistic, they don't know what they're talking about. It's a philosophy. And basically, the philosophy is divided into one of them is that uh we get to see the patient as a whole yeah but it's also divided only in our minds in body mind and spirit so we have to treat the body the mind and the spirit i don't get too much into the spirit because i don't want to go there but otherwise i I do a lot of uh not psychotherapy but I talk about the problems in the mind and how are they related to the body. Right. Okay, that's one of the aspects of, of holistic. And their aspect is pretty much trying to capitalize all the, the medical knowledge in the world. So we can, if we have to, we can use acupuncture or homeopathy or herbs or naturopathic medicine or drugs or surgery or whatever. I right. mean, whatever it takes. Right
2: to save the day, we'll do it. Right, yeah. so you're looking at the whole patient, the family, the relationships, the stress right. levels, the sleep, the diet, all these different things. Let me tell you something, yeah. which I think you're gonna find
0: uh, amusing to say the least. I had a patient some years ago with this helmet, and his, uh, his stress level, level was very, very high, and he was a policeman. So my first advice was, quit being a policeman. You yeah. know, become a, a painter or, <laughs> you know, do pottery. Change it's, your life. Change your life. Yeah. Change your life. That's not working for you. Yeah. I mean, being a policeman is, is definitely not for you. Yeah. You know that kind of things. Yeah. That kind of things. And there, there's another aspect of policing, and that means that we as a, as a as an individual, we are a hol- is- holon, what is called a holon, we are also made by the holons, you know, each cell is a holon. Right. And the holons, they get together and form a tissue, right. and then the tissue form an organ, right. and then the organ form a system, and then the system forms the body, and it becomes a holon in yourself. But you're also part of another bigger holon, which is your family and then your family is part of uh, of the neighborhood, and the neighborhood is part of the city, and on and on and on. And that's the way... The universe is made. Yeah. But we don't, we don't realize. Yeah. We're disconnected. We're going back again to the, from the beginning of our conversation. How we have divorced from nature.
2: Yeah. Yeah. It's 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 amazing how interrelated everything is. You but know? we don't want to see it. Yeah. Yeah. We, we we reduce things to the simplest terms because our simple minds can only understand those. But yes. that's not an accurate representation of what's actually happening. Well. Uh, I think that, uh,
0: you know, we did it because we needed to, let's say 50 years, 100 years ago. It was it was a necessity for the scientists, for well, the intellectuals, to understand the universe around. And we came a long way, I mean, we made a lot of mistakes, yeah. you know that. But now we have reached a point in which we can stop and look back and say, oh, look, I think we've gone too far. Yeah. Let's let's back up a little bit. Let's uh, let's get in contact with nature again. Let's let's bring some of that stuff, that good stuff that nature, Mother Nature
2: has to offer. Yeah. And apply it. You know, let's let's let's, let's bring it into a lifestyle. Do you feel like there's you're you're about my age probably really well, <laughs> you live <look> younger <laughs> <laughs> more or less you know at our age ten years doesn't matter one way or the other right but my point is that you are old enough to remember the sixties and the seventies right, right. and that sort of era that's probably yes. you know formative yes, right. years yes. for you as it was for me do you feel like we're coming into another like the pendulum is is swinging back now because when when we're talking about getting in touch with nature and being suspicious of sort of conventional views of, of medicine, of government, of you know, all these different things, that seems to me to be a resurgence of the anti-establishment approach. The hippie movement? It's the hippie movement, but with more technology. <coughs> and with the experience of the failures, many of the failures of the first hippie movement. So it's more tempered, I think. It's more intellectual. It's not just everything's evil and you gotta go back and live on a farm somewhere. It's more like, yeah, you wanna live on a farm with solar panels and, you know, internet so you can communicate. And I mean, even I mentioned um, LSD and hallucinogens. Now there's all this work being done using hallucinogens in psychotherapy to treat PTSD. Uh, you probably know in Mexico there's ayahuasca and peyote and ibogaine therapy for heroin addicts and so there's sort of a return to a lot of these ways of looking at the world but with more intelligence and maturity I think this time does that make sense to you hippies never left <laughs> <laughs> okay you're you're a closeted hippie I I thought you uh, might no, be I'm just kidding but <laughs> what I'm saying we, we just grew up <laughs> we just grew up
0: yeah no it's um, you know those ideas were sound then it's just that um, George Harrison once said, it's too much too soon yeah that's what it was you know he yeah. got lost <coughs> The love and peace movement and degenerated into you know drugs, sex and drugs and rock and right. like drugs. No responsibility. No, no, no responsibility. Yeah, no knowledge. You know, yeah. Not freedom, but uh, how do you call that? Liberty? No,
2: not liberty. Libertinism, you know, when you, nothing... Oh, Libertines. Yeah, yeah, Libertines, Lu- exactly. Yeah. exactly. Yeah. Not liberty, but Libertine. Almost anarchy. Yeah.
0: Almost anarchy. You know, it, it doesn't matter, you know. and uh, So I think that's where it was
2: lost, Yeah.
0: the concept. But this is not what we're trying to do. And I agree with you. I think that this is more, uh, more mature, more, uh, you know, in a sense grounded. Yeah. You know? Careful. 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 Yeah. Um, it is, you know, for example, um, we're trying to, I'm um, watching these people taking the sun. And, uh, and this is very important, taking the sun. This is another thing that we've been uh, promoting and we've been somehow pioneers in the, in the field of medicine. Is the vitamin D. Right. Um, I got in contact with these people, the doctor called mainly, which is the guru of the whole vitamin D. Several years ago, I'm talking about, well, 13, 14 years ago, nobody were talking about the vitamin D. And now it's very big here in America. And let me clarify that, here in America, people are beginning to realize how important people are in general, doctors and doctors. But you cannot get, uh, when last time I checked, you cannot get vitamin D in the, the, the same way that you get it here in pills in Austria, for example, mm. or in Argentina. Really? They don't have it, not even in Mexico, which is crazy. Yeah. So I mean, the, the concept of the vitamin D is, uh, is also a, a, it's a perfect example of what we're talking about here. Bringing the village back to our lifestyle. Yeah. We don't want you to go back to the village because that is not healthy. And besides, poverty is it's uh, it's, it's not. Uh, I mean, it's probably the most important factor in, in disease. So we don't want to go to the village and become poor. We want to bring the village into our lifestyle. And right. this is the helmets and the microbiota right. And, right. Uh, and the vitamin D. And desired yeah. and on right. and on, different things that, right. that we can mimic right. as much as we can from village without you having to give up your your job
2: Yeah. Well, This is I often say that you know we're not gonna go back to a hunter-gatherer life. No. That, no there no, are too no, many of us, no. the earth has changed. We will the, die in a yeah, couple of days. Exactly. But so we're 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 going to live in a zoo. The the humans are going to live in an artificial environment that we create. But let's live in the San Diego Zoo, not the Calcutta Zoo. Right, And a lot of the zoos we live in now are just cages. They're just bare cages. But we have to design our enclosures, as you're saying, with an understanding of the, the world in which we evolved because that's the world we'll be happiest in and healthiest in. Right. So we have to mimic that, reproduce that, and that's what you're doing largely. And and a lot of these other people that I've had on the podcast, are, they see the wisdom in the natural environment. But as you say, that's not a rejection of modernity. It's wanting to uh, improve modernity.
0: Well, you know, uh, yeah. I mean, I don't want to sound this too abstract of, you know, bringing the village into our lifestyle. But we have several examples of the big mistakes that we made in the last few years. Uh, One of the, 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 the worst mistakes is during the 50s, we remember. The laboratory, the big pharma laboratories, they were pushing for the Mars not to breastfed.
2: Right. Okay, that was a big mistake. Right. Yeah. Big. And, mistake. and, and cesarean uh, birth as well is similarly. Yeah, the cesarean yeah. section. Yeah. But yeah, yeah. it's also a mistake. So and uh, and believe me, I know that most of the cesarean sections are unnecessary. Yeah. Yeah. They they tend to happen uh, on Mondays because the doctors are golfing on sunday right <laughs> yeah 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 you know when, when you're <coughs> no it's all right i mean when
0: you're waiting for the delirium for the baby to show up at whatever time it's going to show up it's going to be at three o'clock in the morning you know and yeah. you have to leave your bed and run to the hospital yeah
2: no no no, no. It's inconvenient yeah, yeah it's inconvenient for the doctor yeah and and the baby suffers yeah but explain to people why uh breastfeeding and cesarean delivery so important in the in the uh, context of the work you're doing? Um, we have figured out that autoimmune
0: diseases are like more a lack or the, the absence of something than anything else. Something is missing and the immune system reacts by, uh, you know, it gets warm and it begins to poke the kid in the next uh, uh, share, you know, Mm. something like that. So, um, I think the best example is uh, the vitamin D once again, when uh, this is, uh, I don't know if people will appreciate this or not, but in the beginning, several hundred years ago, more than a hundred years ago, the, the rich people were in the palaces, inside the palace and their skin was very white because they weren't exposed to the sun. And the people working in the field, you know, the, the patients, they were really sunburned, so this is one of the things. The first skin was the best of them all, okay? right. right? So we've been following that example. You have to be first skin in order to be beautiful. And now the whole thing is changing because of several reasons. One of them is that um, now you and I, We have to work indoors, and we're turning pale. Right. And they're rich guys. There's somebody in their jets. Right. So now it's nice to have, you know, they're painting themselves. Right. Have you seen those
2: orange? Donald Trump. I've seen Ah, him. Well, (laughs) he's orange. He's painted. I mean, they they paint themselves in order to look
0: darker in the skin, which is absolutely crazy. But okay, this is this is the the mental parameter that we're carrying. But the same thing goes with, uh, well, one second, going back to vitamin D. You stay away from sun, because you want to be quieter, you want to be exposed to the sun. They, uh, the, the big pharma, I don't know what big pharma, but somebody throw this uh, myth into the population, that the lanoma has something to do with the sun exposure. That is a lie. Really? Yes. Melanoma has nothing to do with the sun.
2: Well, that's that's the first time I've heard that. As a red, red red-haired person, I was under the impression that the radiation of the sun caused mutations in the skin cells.
0: Yeah, but that is the the most common form of cancer, skin cancer, that is caused by the sun. It's basal cell carcinoma, right? And that is a, the reaction that you were talking but about. But not melanoma. But that's the easiest cancer to deal with. Yeah. Melanoma, no. I've seen cases of melanoma that have grown. They usually grow in places that they're not exposed to the sun. Ah. Like, for example, under the nail. Right. Or behind the eye. Or in the in the in the groin area. That's in amazing. Or the sole of your feet. Right. They That's that. very that has interesting nothing to do with the sun. But and they're sending you
2: this wonderful screen. What do you call it? Sun sunscreen. sunscreen. Yeah, yeah. And they're very That's efficient. Very interesting. I'd never thought of that. You're right, though. It does tend to occur in areas that aren't not exposed to the sun. Yeah, yeah. And is it it true that rates of melanoma are are going up and that they're highest in places like Australia and California?
0: Uh, I I, I don't know. I I haven't followed that, to be honest with you. I wouldn't like to— That's something I'm going to look into. It it should be worthwhile to to check on that, but the point is this. Now we know that uh, vitamin D prevents cancer because of the studies done by Holick and Garland and all these guys.
2: Yeah. Campbell and all these guys. And the people. chronic uh, vitamin D um, insufficiency is, is endemic everywhere. in the world. Yes. Yeah.
0: In the beginning, uh, I'm talking about, like I said, about 10 years ago or something like that, when we started with this vitamin D thing. Um, sending samples to different places. I was sending, uh, asking for the test in, also in Mexico, in United States and Mexico. And uh, the test exists, and it's been there for I don't know when, years and years and years, but nobody was doing it because nobody was asking for it. So we were getting the, response, the results from different laboratories, and one of them was saying uh, that they were reporting in uh, nanograms, and another one in moles and another one in uh, picograms. So it was a mess, you know, there, there was no uniformity in right. the laboratory because nobody was paying attention to it. Right. But they finally money to say, no, 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 let's do this in the proper way. Nanograms per millilitre is not the result. Okay, they did test, Pollock and company. They did, did test here in California, in Florida, and Arizona. Considered they states. so Right, right. And they were finding the people with uh, uh, levels of four, four, it, four nanograms four? per milliliter. Yeah, and that's very low. Oh, it's, uh, yeah. Yeah. Okay, they, nowadays, because of the lifeguards, they, they spend most of the day in the sun, and they, you know, they, even though they use uh, the sunscreen and like that, they're exposed to the sun most of the time. That is their job. So they've been tested, and they, 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 the optimum level
2: is 70. 17. 70
0: nanograms per milliliter in bloodstream.
2: 17? 17. Mm-hmm. 70. 17.
0: But before that, you know, we were they were testing here in Arizona, Florida, and they were getting results of four, seven. That's incredible. And yeah. wow. And this is the mineral population. Yeah. Because, uh, you know, all kind of things. Another thing was that uh, Early in the twentieth century, I don't remember the dates, but FDA established the daily allowance for vitamins and things. And they established the daily allowance for vitamin D in four hundred milligrams. Milligrams, yes, four hundred milligrams. No, wait a minute, four hundred international units, I'm sorry. 400 international units, because they test that against rickets, which is a disease of the bones. Right. The baby, the kids, if they don't have enough vitamin D, their bones arch, right. and they become very unrivaled. Well, they break their in, very easily. Anyway, very brittle. Brittle. Yeah. Brittle. Yeah. brittle. Brittle. Thank you. And um, so they establish that amount, that amount for for the daily intake. And the whole world followed. Right. The whole world. Because I know that there was a study done in Denmark or Sweden, I don't remember which one of them, in which they were testing for with a lot more vitamin D. But since the FDA, the American, says that that's a set, they stop. All world and now we know that 400 international units is nothing. Really? It's nothing.
2: Maybe it's enough to, to avoid rickets, but it's not enough exactly. to be healthy. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. No, yeah. But doesn't avoid any other problems. Right.
0: And um, so right now we are recommending 5,000 international units a day. More than 10 times with the FDA. And it it's still up. nothing. Really? Because Dr. Holick, okay, 5,000 which is what I recommend on a daily basis, will amount to 35,000 a week, okay? Dr. Kolik, which is the, the boss, of the, I mean, the master in these things, he's recommending 50,000 a week, Right. which is 15,000 more than what I'm recommending. Right. Anyway, the point is this. The mother gets pregnant, and she's supposed to give the vitamin D to the to the baby through the placenta, or whatever. Right. But if the mother is not producing enough vitamin D because she's not in the sun enough, and the, the four hundred international units that it's taking from the milk is not enough for her. So she's not gonna give the baby all of it. Right. She's gonna keep something for herself and it's going to give only a certain amount to the baby. Right? Okay. And then um the baby gets, so there is, there is, you know, it's incomplete. Yeah. It is incomplete somehow. And then the baby gets to born. And instead of being a, a normal birth, you know, through the vagina and other things, in which he's going to be bathed with all this friendly bacteria from her mom, from right. his mom. It, it's a c-section so it, a lot of this bacteria is missing he's not gonna get that bacteria he's gonna get the bacteria from the hospital right whatever whatever's but floating not around the, the room yeah yeah not right. the and God forbid if he develops an infection, something that the doctor considers that is terrible because they're going to pump him with antibiotics and he's going to modify the bacteria, the envelopment that we have right. even further. Right. But then let's say that the kid gets all right, he gets to born and everything, but then the mother is going to supposedly breastfeed the guy. OK? But uh, once again, during the 50s, they say, no, 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 use the formula. And through the mother's milk, there goes a lot of stuff. You probably right. have heard of the colostrum. Right. The first milk is pretty much antibiotics. Right. All kind of Full autoimmune of training for the colonizers. Colonizes. The it colonizes the baby's intestines. Not only that, I mean, things that are going to trigger the, the development and the maturity of the immune system of the baby. Right. So there's all kind of things going on there, and we jump the gun. Right. So, okay, finally the kid survives, he goes along, it looks fine, you know, it looks fine, we're protecting him with antibiotics and that kind of stuff. So he doesn't really show how terribly weak he really is. Right. But eventually, as he grow up, he's going to begin to show asthma, allergies, because the immune system
2: is, is crazy. Yeah. It's gone crazy. Yeah, it, it doesn't have the information it
0: needs to. It doesn't have the information. It doesn't, to, information, to doesn't know what
1: to do. It's yeah. not
2: being trained. Right. <coughs> How do you
0: train for a fight?
2: By fighting. Right. right. And by fighting the enemies that you can expect to come. Right. Right. Learn. Yeah. Learn. You learn exactly. You and prepare. if you don't train, then you are really weak. Yeah. You're yeah. Really weak. Yeah, I saw recently that in some cesarean deliveries they're taking some of the, um, the vaginal secretion of the mother and they're smearing it on the baby's face. So at least that's a step in the right direction. It's, right. Not, it's not obviously the same, but it's an acknowledgement of what's being lost by not having a vaginal delivery. Exactly. And exactly. sometimes it's medically necessary to have a cesarean. It is
0: important. First yeah. of all, it's, it's important to understand that uh, There's no such thing as, uh, how could I say, you
2: know, field. Field is important. Being dead is filth. important. <laughs> filth. is important. It's important, yes. <laughs> yes. In know, praise it, of filth, that's Yes, good. you know, it's good. every once in a while go play in the mud. Yeah, you know? yeah, it's true. It's, it's very important. Kids that grow up uh, playing in the dirt exactly. and that have dogs and cats in the house are much less likely to develop asthma exactly. and allergies. Exactly, because later. You're
0: being, you're, the immune system is being trained to confront all these challenges. Right. And in fact, the body Wants the challenge. We we won the challenge. If you are too, um, you know, comfortable, nothing happens. Yeah. <coughs> it's like I said. You know, I told my parents, my my patients as well. Imagine yourself in a pool in Puerto Vallarta with a margarita. You know, just floating in there with a big hat. You know. And the weather is beautiful, you can feel the breeze, and the, the pizza. And the, I mean, you're so comfortable, you don't want to move. Yeah. If you run out of your margarita, you will twice, you will think twice about ordering the next one because you're so comfortable, and that's when you become weak. Right. But what about if you're sitting in an anthill? You jump, you scream, you shake. Yeah. You, you stamp your feet, I mean, you really move. That's the kind of thing the body needs, you know, it would not to, to put it in danger, but to train
2: it. Right. To be stronger, to be more able, to be more capable of we're, we're dying of comfort. We're dying of comfort. That is, uh, that is correct. <laughs> that's a pretty amazing fate for humanity. Death by comfort. Well, that's civilized to death. I, this I mentioned this in the book. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. <coughs> yeah. There you go. We're, we're comfortable to death. And then,
0: let me just finish yeah, about yeah. the vitamin D. Yeah, so, okay, so now the kid is not. It doesn't have enough vitamin D because the mother wasn't able to provide. And also, he's going to mimic the lifestyle. You know, he's not going to go into the sun. And whenever he does to do it, he's going to be wearing a long sleeve, right? Hat, right. And protection. Yeah. Sun protection. Sun protection. Yeah. And cover himself with all this sunscreen. Yeah. So that they, they, once again, the lack of the vitamin D is right there. Yeah. And then the next step is that if the baby is a girl, she's going to repeat the cycle all over as her mother, and he's going to do the same thing. Their own children, yeah, and uh, we get to see that, you know, the, the the appearance of the autoimmune diseases in clusters: the mother, the daughter, and the next generation. Right. Not always, to be honest, right.
2: nothing is exactly in medicine. Yeah, but yeah. we get to see that. Well, thank you for doing this with us. This is, uh, I think this is a, an area of medicine that's going to become more and more important as time goes on, and you're doing pioneering work. It's thank you. Very helpful. And, I, and I, like, I admire the fact that you're following your interests regardless of where the money is, because yeah. this is not a way to get rich, because it's no. a relatively inexpensive, simple treatment you're you're empowering patients to really heal themselves in a way, right? And uh, which is very admirable, but it's increasingly rare in medicine. So thank you for oh, thank you th- for doing that. Thank you, thank you for the opportunity to share.
0: I mean, believe me, there is a, we're changing the paradigm of medicine. Yeah, and that is that is wonderful for me. That is
2: absolutely fantastic. Yeah. All right. I'll have links up on my site to your uh, to your clinic. So if anyone wants to follow up and get more information, they'll have a way to contact you. Thank you very much. You. Thank right, you. Thank, very you. Much. thank you, Dr. Yamas. My pleasure. I hope you enjoyed that conversation as much as I did. Thank you to everybody who supports the podcast through patreon.com or fundwhatyoulove.com on either of which you can decide how much you want to give the podcast, a buck a month, five bucks a month, 10 bucks a month, or you can get completely crazy and give 20 bucks a month or more. Or you can give nothing. If you don't have any cash, don't worry about it. Other people are covering your load. So you're going to be good. Just enjoy the podcast and tell your friends Friends. The other way you can support the podcast is if you buy shit through Amazon.com or you know someone who does, please direct them through the link on my page, chrisryanphd.com. You click on that baby once, bookmark the landing page on Amazon, and then 8 to 10% of whatever you spend will come to support the podcast at no extra cost to you or your loved ones. Thank you to Basin and Range for that opening music at the beginning of the podcast. Very funky little tune there. There... Uh, called The Bright Side of the Sun, I believe. You can find out more about them at basinandrangeband.com. If you want to talk about the podcast with other listeners, a good place to do that is on Reddit. Just search Tangentially Speaking, all one word. There's a community of a couple hundred people in there chatting about the episodes. I drop in occasionally and say hello, answer questions, whatever. Uh, Thanks to Shore Design T-shirts. Our garage is full of them. My mom has them all organized as only she can. Julie, thank you to Julie, my mom. She'll send those t-shirts out to you if you order them. Everything we've got in stock is from Shore Design t-shirts in Thailand. And you can check out their webpage as well for other designs. Thank you to Carsey Blanton. You can find out more about Carsey Blanton at Carsey Blanton. Dot .com com. she wrote and performed the song you're about to hear which is called Smoke Alarm and it's a reminder to carpe fucking diem while you still can because ladies and gentlemen you're going to die one day Here's to you Bennett
1: He said baby what's a big deal feel what you want to feel Say what you wanna say. You're gonna die one day. For example, I could kiss you just because I want to. And what's the difference if you turn away? I'm gonna die one day. Why do you waste your time thinking about your reputation? Trying to meet an expectation. Wondering what they're going to say When everyone you've ever known Is headed for a headstone I don't want to give the end away But we're going to die one day Your body is an animal Doesn't ask for much A little music and a soft touch why don't you let it out to play? Your heart is in a birdcage, singing in your chest. You wanna shut it up, but give it a rest. You're gonna die one day. Why do we waste our time thinking about a reputation, running? From headed for a headstone I don't want to give the end away But we're gonna die one day We're gonna die one day We're gonna die one day, die one day. So baby, what's a big deal If you want to be free Say what you want to feel and Spend the night with me gonna take you up in my arms and if we must go down we'll go singing to the smoke alarms we'll dance into the ground